Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Hello, everyone. It is now time for FOMO Friday. Yes, we love to bring you the fear of missing out report, particularly if you're not listening to propaganda media anymore, because we want you to be informed. We want you to know what's going on. And from a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes our first story today, and that is that the Colorado Supreme Court removed former President Donald Trump from the state's 2024 presidential ballot on Tuesday after ruling that he engaged in an insurrection with his actions on January 6th of 2021. Yeah, that's right. This has been the big story of the week, of course. The uh, the four to three ruling will be placed on, on hold pending appeal until January 4th. And the court uh, said in its ruling that, quote, a majority of the court holds that President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. This is what the ruling said. It also said because he is disqualified, it would be a wrongful act under the election code for the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Trump campaign responded to the ruling uh, by saying that they would swiftly file an appeal, calling it a completely flawed decision that was deeply undemocratic. Quote, we have full confidence that the U.S. Supreme Court will quickly rule in our favor and finally put an end to these un-American lawsuits. This is what a spokesman said for the campaign. The court said that they had little difficulty concluding that substantial evidence existed that showed a concerned and public use of force or threat of force by a group of people to hinder or prevent the U.S. government from taking the actions necessary to accomplish the peaceful transfer of power in this country, unquote. Wow, what a statement. The court said that because of this, the events of January 6th constituted an insurrection. Of course, <laughs> that is just ludicrous. But they said, and this is the ruling, we do not reach these conclusions lightly. This is what the court said. We are mindful of the magnitude and and weight of the questions now before us. Sure you are. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. <laughs> what, what a word salad. It means absolutely nothing. It's a complete batch of lies. So... Let, let me just get this straight on this story, okay? Four of the seven Supreme Court justices of the Colorado Supreme Court, whose job it is to look at the Constitution and make sure that the laws of the land do not overstep our rights, ruled that Donald Trump, the leading candidate of the National Republican Party's presidential race, led an insurrection on January 6th of 2021. They ruled this knowing 
that Donald Trump never called for anyone to go into the Capitol. In fact, he told them to go peacefully and legally to show their support for fair elections. People were let in and led through the Capitol building by the Capitol Police. It's on video. And the only person killed in this insurrection was a protester that was shot by a trigger-happy officer who will not be named. But Trump is the only... Trump is the one here that they say can't be on the Colorado ballot because he led an insurrection. These liberal leftists are very desperate and they will do anything that they can to hold on to their power. This will be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court and it will be struck down. There's there's no doubt in my mind. And if you want to talk about insurrection, though, there are those that are talking about taking Joe Biden's name off of the Texas ballot for insurrection because of his open border policy. That seems uh, less of a stretch than Trump being uh, accused of insurrection. But speaking of things being overturned, though, the Pennsylvania school district is, there's a school district there that is walking back and order to school bus drivers to take down Christmas decorations in the name of inclusivity. Mm -hmm. On Friday, the Wallingford Swath, Swarthmore, I guess is how you pronounce that, school district near Pennsylvania, sent a memo to bus drivers telling them to immediately remove Christmas decorations and stop wearing Christmas clothing because some parents had complained. Oh, no. The school has been receiving complaints from parents concerning district uh, employees displaying Christmas-themed decorations and or wearing clothing of the same nature. This is this is what the memo to the bus driver said. Quote, if you have decorated your bus with anything specific to the Christmas holiday or any other decorations referring to a specific religion, please remove them immediately. In addition, employees are instructed not to wear clothing related to Christmas or any other religious holiday, is what the memo said. The memo added that the Guidance applies to all district employees, not just bus drivers, um, and not just the transportation department. But some drivers reacted to the decision saying, well, bah humbug. <laughs> and, and some called it, well, it was disappointing. But the district's decision quickly went viral online and sparked outrage. Later on Friday, Superintendent Dr. Wagner Marcellus responded to the controversy saying the memo was the result of a, get this, misunderstanding. <laughs> a, a misunderstanding. That, that has to be the word of the day. Between him and the supervisor of transportation. This is a misunderstanding. The memo was simply meant to remind bus drivers to find a balance of the district's attempt to be inclusive of diverse range of holiday traditions in response to the community's concerns I have received about religious neutrality, is what Marcellus said. (laughs) Well, the superintendent added in a message to parents that he had not intended for drivers to feel that they needed to remove any reference to Christmas. Quote, I did not intend in any way for drivers to feel they needed to turn off the holiday music. 
take down all the decorations or or not wear any holiday clothing. This is what Marcella said. He says, I want to be abundantly clear <laughs> that we are not in any way trying to remove all signs of Christmas from our school buses or our schools. My question here is, why is it that when liberals say that diversity is our strength, that it only applies to them and the groups that they support? If it has to do with, let's say, Ramadan, then they are all about that, but not Christmas. You might offend someone. If it's about Pride Week, oh, hey, we'll fly the flag just loud and proud. But if it's Hanukkah, eh, forget about it. Doesn't, doesn't seem like diversity is our strength after all. And good to see the parents and the staff get this one reversed, though. And speaking of not celebrating diversity, embattled Harvard University president Claudine Gay reportedly put together a task force uh, after the death of George Floyd with its stated goal being to, get this, diminish the number of white men who were visible in campus spaces. Yeah, this is what the task force was being put together by the president of Harvard, was to diminish the number of white men who were visible in campus spaces. Chris Rufo reported on the, the task force, um, sharing on his, uh, his, his article on a post on X. He said, quote, Harvard's Claudine Gay led a task force to reduce the visible presence of white men in campus spaces simply for being white men. They committed no crimes. They were not deemed racist. Their ancestry and anatomy were enough to justify their banishment. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that one. As Rufo stated in, in the article, Gay responded to the death of George Floyd and the cultural reaction to it by commissioning a task force in order to tackle, this is what they quoted, historical reckoning with racial injustice. Yeah, even though, of course, George Floyd died of a drug overdose. But anyway, among the recommendations passed by the task force was a, a call to change the decor in some university spaces, primarily in spaces whose culture, visible culture is dominated by homogeneous portrayal of white men, unquote. That, that call was uh, directed specifically toward uh, Annenberg Hall, I guess, there on, on campus, where apparently all but three of the 23 portraits hung featured white men, and none were women. <gasps> the task force reportedly did not mention those portraits were on display there and, and why they were, uh, making it clear that that was... Um, uh, that what what mattered here was that their race and their sex alone was what mattered, rather than who they were or anything that they had accomplished or done for the university. Oh well, we're going to ignore that. They're white men. We got to do away with them. Gay has has found herself, of course, 
and particularly her her tenure at Harvard uh, is is under a microscope right now. Uh, in in recent weeks, following her testimony before Congress, we we've uh, obviously followed that here uh, on the podcast. Uh, and and she uh, when she testified before Congress, she struggled to condemn the anti-Semitic protest and called calls for a Jewish genocide that had of course been taking place on her campus. But we can't, you know, come against that. That's not what we should be doing. Despite numerous calls for her ouster, based on both her testimony and re- reports that she actually had plagiarized whole sections of her dissertation and even more, uh, taking uh, taking charge, black editorial success, and the um, re- redefinition of American policies. That was her dissertation. That's what it was called. And Harvard's biggest governing body has opted to stay with gay. They are supporting her. Now, this is what you get when you put terrible, racist, and sexist people in positions of leadership. So, you know, if if people stop going to Harvard, well, then you kind of know why. And we see we see stories like this, and then we wonder why we see stories like this next one about one million fewer young men were attending college last year than about a decade ago. Yeah, that's quite a drop. This is according to a Pew Research Center uh, study. And last year, there were about 1.2 million fewer young people ages 18 to 24 enrolled in college compared to 11 years earlier, back in 2011, when college attendance, of course, peaked at about that, that point. Um, Pew Research Center uh, released this on Monday, and they said men uh, drove the vast majority of the decline, especially men opting not to attend four-year schools. One million fewer young men were in college last year, while only 0.2 million fewer young women were enrolled. This means that that men now make up only 44% of young college students compared to 47 in 2011. Um, all four-year schools, men uh, are, are are an even smaller share of the twenty are, are, of the eighteen to twenty student uh, year old student population, at forty-two percent. The gender gap is particularly stark among white high school graduates. Uh, about half of young white women who have graduated high school are enrolling in college, compared to forty percent of their male counterparts. That's a big difference. I mean, in, in 2011, 52% of young women were enrolled to 49, which is, of course, a much smaller gap. But two, two-year colleges, such as community colleges, have also seen an en- enrollment drop in the last decade, just, just a bit smaller, though. Men now actually make up slightly higher portion of student population at two-year colleges, uh, 49% compared to 48% in, in 2011. Now, notably, more young uh, people are graduating from high school now than in 2011. Um, however, more high school graduates are deciding to skip college. Might not be such a bad idea. We've kind of covered that somewhat here recently as well. Only 39% of young men who have graduated high school are attending college now, down from 47% in 2011. Meanwhile, 48% of young women who have graduated high school are attending college, down 1% from that t- same time period. And one issue affecting the dip in, in college enrollment is, 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 is concerns about student loans, of course. In, in, the, in the last decade, young people have expressed concerns about taking out pricey student loans to pay for college tuition, which has been spiking for years. 
many former students who who did take out thousands uh, in in loans are now struggling to pay them back. And nearly 9 million people missed their first student loan payment that they were supposed to make after the pandemic pause ended in October. The Department of Education said on Friday that that amounts to about 40%, 40% of the 22 million people who had payments due. Other issues that appear to be contributing to the college enrollment decline are the economic impact of the pandemic, really, and a birth rate that has been falling for nearly two decades, they say. And I, I, hey, I'll buy that one. Between 2019 and 2021, during the pandemic, grad undergraduate college enrollment plummeted nearly 8%, according to data from the National Student Clearinghouse. Um, many blamed COVID. But that doesn't seem to be turning out to be true. COVID isn't the problem here. Uh, One of the most popular kids shows, though, uh, right now, is Cocomelon. But now, the internet has exploded with commentary about one scene in the show Cocomelon Lane, which is a spinoff of the popular animated series Cocomelon. The episode in question features two fathers fawning, over a little boy dancing around in a tutu and a tiara. Daily Wire podcast host Mike, uh, Matt Walsh uh, addressed the, the uh, episode on his Wednesday show. Um, quote, another popular children's program has decided to go all in on left-wing indoctrination, he said. The clip circulating on social media today is from episode eight of the show's recently released first season. In the clip, we see a young boy, a character named Nico dancing around in a dress and a tiara while his two gay dads took on, um, look, look on approvingly. It's so on the nose that you'd be forgiven for assuming that it must be a parody. But it's not, not intentionally anyway, he says. Whatever the message is, the child watching the show will be perfectly um, suitable and uh, 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 susceptible to it. This is what Walsh said. And he went on to say that Netflix has your child where they want him sitting there, eyes glued to the screen, passively absorbing whatever images and and, and sounds and, and ideas emerge from it. And if your kid happened to be watching episode eight of Cocomelon Lane, he would passively absorb the idea that it's normal for boys to dress like girls and that there's nothing strange about a child having two dads. He added that it was intentional to debut this scene in episode eight, because it's more likely parents wouldn't notice it, you know, by, by episode eight. Quote, like any groomer, it wants to lure parents into a false sense of security, he said. They see the first ep- uh, couple episodes, everything looks pretty normal and harmless, not knowing that the Gay dads and the cross-dressing kid is buried midway through the eighth episode. It's all very deliberate and very evil and, sadly, very effective. Uh, The Daily Wire co-founder Jeremy Boring also commented on the episode, saying that the scenes in the uh, children's shows like like this are are why the Daily Wire actually launched the Bent Key um, app in the first place. If you haven't seen that, it's actually pretty good. Um, he also slammed a New York Times uh, piece that described the fathers of both Ben Key's um, uh, Chip Chilla 
uh, show. It's it's the uh, show that they have there on Bent Key and the hit Australian series Bluey uh, as a fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Quote: There are two kids shows that stand out to the New York Times as pop problematic: Bent Key's Chipchilla and Bluey. And what's so problematic? Well, weirdly present fathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, get this. Quote, both fathers are derided as a, f- a fantasy for being so active and engaged with their children. But according to the New York Times, Chip Chilla is the far more uh, offensive of the two because Chum Chum teaches lessons about dead white people. Yeah, they, things like George Washington and people like Ben Franklin and, and Neil Armstrong and things like that, and leads his kids in fun games, oh no, and lessons as a way of establishing male authority. This is what Boring said. The left not only wants to add its racial agenda to kids' entertainment, they want to remove good values from kids' entertainment. Uh, you know, another thing that the left wants is a steady stream of illegals into this country. And if you if you don't believe me, I would direct you to this next story where the American Civil Liberties is suing, this is the ACLU, is suing Texas over a new law that gives the state officials the ability to arrest and deport illegal immigrants amid a flood of illegal crossings into the state. Yeah, so instead of, you know, Biden and his administration doing the catch and release saying, oh, hey, we caught you, but hey, go on, you're, you're into the country. They're, Texas is saying, nope, we're going to deport them. We're going to catch and deport them. The leftist legal group claims that the law is a disproportionate uh, and, and, a will, and, and it will target minorities. Well, yeah. <laughs> While proponents of the law say that it is necessary since the Biden administration has not secured the border with Mexico. El Paso County, the American Liberty, um, Civil Liberties Union, and the Texas Civil Liberties Project Rights Project filed the lawsuit in federal court on Tuesday against the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. Quote, the bill, SB4, overrides bedrock constitutional principles and flouts federal immigration law while while harming Texans, in particular, brown and black communities. This is this is what Adriana Pinion, uh, the, the legal director of the ACLU of Texas, said. Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott said that the state would fight to enforce the law all the way to the Supreme Court. And he also said that the law was necessary because of, because of President Joe Biden's border policies. Quote, in the absence, in his absence, Texas has the constitutional authority to secure our border through historic laws like SB4. See, the Texas House Republican David Spiller said that states should have the ability to defend their borders. Well, duh. I I believe that Texas and other states have the ability, um, the absolute right to enforce their borders, he said. The law, which will authorize local police to handle immigration enforcement by making it a state misdemeanor to cross the Texas-Mexico border illegally, was first sent to Abbott by Texas Republicans in November. The law will allow Texas to deport those who cross into the state back to Mexico, which 
would be a direct challenge to, of course, the catch and release policy currently practiced by the Biden administration. According to the governor's office, the law to create a criminal offense for illegal entry into the state from from a, a, a foreign nation, the law cracks down on repeated attempts to enter Texas by creating the offense of illegal reentry and penalizes offenders with up to 20 years in prison. It also provides the mechanism to order an, an offender to return to the foreign nation from which the person entered or attempted to enter the, uh, the state. The law provides civil immunity and um, in, in indemnification for the local and state government officials, employees, and contractors for lawsuits resulting from the enforcement of, of the policies and the provisions. The law was criticized, of course, by, yeah, you guessed it, Mexican President um, Orbador and, and, the, and of course, the Biden administration <laughs> with, with Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre uh, claiming the law was not who we are as a country. <laughs> so she, she, was, she was bringing out her inner uh, Obama, right? Uh, Abbott and Biden have frequently clashed over immigration, uh, illegal immigration, with Biden's Justice Department suing Texas over water barriers. You'll remember we covered that, and that they put up on the Rio Grande to deter illegal immigration. Um, You know, I never again, after reading this story, I never again want to hear a liberal say that they are there for protecting the little people. This open border policy is hurting everyone, especially little people, though. I mean, especially those that that uh, need entry-level jobs. And, and, and I mean, it's just, we, we could go on and on. We have gone on and on <laughs> on this podcast, and we'll continue to do so. But tell you what, let's end on a really good note, can I? Uh, I, I may be dating myself here, but I do know who Hulk Hogan is. <laughs> well... American wrestler Hulk Hogan is was baptized this week in a church in Florida, and he dedicated it to the best day of his life. Wow. Hogan, who, yes, he, he's 70 years old now, uh, posted photos on his social media account on Wednesday of his baptism in, in Indian Rocks Baptist Church in Largo, Florida. Quote, total surrender and dedication to Jesus is the greatest day of my life, Hogan wrote. No worries, no hate, no judgment only love. His wife, Sky Daly Hogan, was also baptized, according to the video that he, he posted online. And the, the baptism comes after Hogan posted information about his, his faith journey on social media earlier this year. He said, quote, I accept Christ as my Savior at 14 years old, and the training, prayers, and vitamins kept me in the game, but now I am one with God. The main event theme of surrender, service, and love makes me the real main event that can slam any giant of any size through the power of my Lord and Savior. And so it is, even now, brother, amen, is what he wrote. Uh, Hogan has also posted Bible verses um, to his social media account. He wears a t-shirt that says John 3.16 on it, and, and it actually has the whole verse, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his uh, his one and only son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He he wears that shirt all the time. And earlier this month, another major media figure came forward publicly to dedicate his life to uh, his Christian faith. Latin rapper Daddy Yankee. Now, 
I must confess, I know Hulk Hogan. I don't know who Daddy Yankee is. <laughs> okay, but his his real name is Ramon Luis Ayala Rodriguez, and, and he announced at the start of the month that he was retiring from his highly successful music career to embark on, quote, a new beginning, spreading the gospel. Rodriguez made the announcement during a concert uh, on December 4th and shared the video on social media where he has more than 1 million followers. So there's a few people that know who he is. (laughs) This day, this is a quote, this day for me is the most important of my life. Tonight I recognize and I am not ashamed to tell the whole world that Christ lives in me and that I will live for him. He, this is what he, uh, he wrote in the caption. This is the end of one chapter and the beginning of a completely new one. Uh, speaking to a crowd in Puerto Rico at the um, Concilio de Puerto Rico, Jose, uh, he said, quote, for many years, I've tried filling a void in my life that no one could fill. I tried finding a purpose on many occasions. It seemed as if I was happy, but something was missing for me to feel complete. I have to confess that those days are over and someone was able to fill that void that I felt for a long time. I realized that for everyone, I was someone, but I was no one without him. Throughout the years, I was able to travel the world, win many awards, applause and praise, but I realized something that's in the Bible. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? A a chapter has ended. But a new one will begin, he noted. All the tools that I have in my power, like music, social media, platforms, a microphone, everything that God has given me now for his kingdom. Thank you, Puerto Rico. I hope you walk with me in this new beginning. I hope you remember something very important. Don't follow any person. I am a human. To all the people who follow me, follow Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth and the life. That's very cool, don't you think? People ha- that have, have, have had experiences um, and, and people think there's something, they're celebrities, all this, well, they found their answer in Jesus Christ. And I would love to hear your testimony. You can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.